Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I want to tell you that this church has changed my life in so many ways. You're probably thinking, you're the pastor. How did it change? It's changed me so much. People who were once friends have now become my family. Weeks after we started, people's lives began to be transformed by what God was doing here through all of you. And if you guys could help me, we have a team of about 50, 60 people that work so hard every single week to make church happen. So if we could just give it up for all the people that serve here at Love Unlimited. Um, Yesterday... Uh, We had a great Good Friday service. I don't know about you, but that was amazing. Um, And then, believe it or not, yesterday at 10 o'clock, we were here at SLAM. We got together, a group of us, to invite the community to be here today. Maybe you're one of the ones that we invited. And um, I had the privilege of spending the afternoon with three amazing ladies that just started coming to our church. One of them, her name is Rosa. And... um, Rosa found out about our church through Facebook, the same place that a lot of you found out about uh, what we're doing here, and she started telling me her story, and she was so excited. She goes, do you remember the first time I I came to church? I was sitting in the front row. I was the one that was crying the whole service, and then when church was over, I looked at my husband, and I said, we're home, and then there was Lily. Lily is a beautiful lady, too. who has a really nice house in the Keys. And um, she had a bunch of people in her house in the Keys, people going out on the boat. And Lily was with us on the people mover yesterday, inviting people to be here. And then she told me, tomorrow I'm going to drive an hour and a half back from the Keys. So she was passing out flyers on the people mover with me. Then she came back here to slam and she went to the Keys. And this morning, woke up at God knows what time, she's sitting here on the front row and came back to church. And she said, I've never done anything like that before in my life. And then lastly, there's Eunice. She was the third uh, lady uh, that that was in my group. And my my wife's like, you left with all the women. I'm like, you know what, great women that taught me a lot about God's grace. And Eunice... Uh, walks to church every Sunday. She has a few blocks from here. She's a mom of a student that comes to slam here. And you should have seen Eunice when we got on the people mover. I mean, I'm a pastor. I talk to people about Jesus for a living, and I was just blown away. She was like this little snake, like just going around and talking to everyone and inviting them to be to church. And then she told me how she's put door hangers on every single door in her building. And then when we dropped her off, she's like, I want to take more door hangers, and I want to fill my entire building with uh, door hangers just in case they forget that they know that it's tomorrow. And every single Sunday, my wife talks to me about Eunice. She goes, we need to get Spanish translation. Because there's this woman that every Sunday, she's giving me a hard time because we don't have Spanish translation. And so when I got in the car with Eunice, I only spoke to her in Spanish. And she's like, oh, I I speak perfect English. I, I don't need Spanish translation. She wanted Spanish translation for all her friends that she's inviting to come to church that don't speak English so that they can understand what's going on. And so Eunice, we love you, and thank you so much 
Thank you so much. See, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about being part of this move of God. And I'll tell you something, that it's not over. It's not over. And I want you to say this with me today. I want you to say, it's not over. Our church is changing lives, and I believe that we are going to change this city. And that's exactly what Easter is all about. It's about change. See, God took the worst possible situation, the death of his son, and turned it around and used it for good, good to change this world. Easter changed history. Every time you write down the date, you write down A.D., you could either write A.D. or B.C., Jesus being born, the crucifixion, divided history in half. We started counting different when Jesus came into this world. It's the most important event in history. And it is still changing lives like mine and like yours and like Eunice and like Lily and like Rosa and so many others that are here today. Romans 5.10 says this, If we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of His Son, now just think how our lives will expand and deepen by the means of His resurrection life. The purpose of Easter, it's not for religious people. It's not a particularly religious holiday, so we come, and and we think it is, that, oh, it's so religious, and we come, and that's when we come and connect with God. No, Easter is not for religious people or people that come from religious backgrounds. Maybe you don't feel that you've connected with God yet in your life, and you rarely go to church. I want to tell you something. Congratulations. You picked the best day to go to church because Easter is for you. Easter is your holiday. See, Jesus did not come for religious people. He could care less about religious people. He was only interested in people having a relationship with God. He wasn't worried about a bunch of rules and regulations and rituals. Jesus said, I came for the religious outsider, not for the crowd. I don't know about you, but that should make you feel good. Because sometimes if we just think about all the rules that people try to shove down our throat, we forget that we serve a loving God who loves us where we are, wherever we are. Easter is God's invitation to you. And what's, what's the invitation? To have a changed life. What do you want to change? What do you want to change about your life? And now you're probably thinking, but, but Pastor Mark, I, I, I'm a good person. You think I've got a good life. I, I've got a great family. I, I got a great career. I'm a pretty nice person. I live in a great place. I've got it good. You're right. I have no doubt that you're probably a pretty nice person. But it's nothing compared to what you could be. You're only using a fraction of your God-given potential. You may think you have it figured out, but God says today it's not over. You've barely scratched the surface. You were made for more than that. And right now, yes, Nothing can compare to what God has for you. See, that's what Easter is all about. How to change from good to better. See, we're going to look at today how to become a better person. How to become the person that God intended us to be. How can we begin to live the life that God created us to live? Let me tell you something. You don't become a better person by trying harder. You're like, man, that's like contrary to anything I've ever heard. You can try really, really, really hard, and you're going to struggle to do better. You see, a lot of times we think that we can become a better person 
by changing who we are on the outside. A lot of times we think that, you know, we could tell someone, just don't think about it. And if you don't think about it, everything is going to feel better. It's not even there. Don't worry about it. My mom used to tell me that when I was a teenager and I had pimples and I, I used to get in front of the mirror and I used to try, olvídate, olvídate, olvídate del granito. And I'd be like, como me voy a olvidar, mami. Every, every time I look in the mirror, it's like, forget about the pimple. Every time I look in the mirror, I see it, I feel it. And my eyes would cross because I, I'd see it there. You see, a lot of times we want to change who we are on the outside. But what really needs to change is our heart. We think, man, if, if I change the way I do my hair, or I change the clothes that I wear, or the car that I drive, maybe people will look at me differently. That will automatically change me on the inside. It doesn't. Some people even go as far as changing their name. All right? In 2001, Puff Daddy tried that. Right? Anybody remember that when Puff Daddy, he went to P. Diddy. He was having problems with J-Lo. He was having legal problems. And then he's like, I'm a new person. I'm changing my name to P. Diddy. Then he announces that he's not P. Diddy. He, he's just Diddy. Right? And... Um, Last year on the Jimmy Kimmel show, he changed his name again to Brother Love. I don't know, they might know he changed his name to Brother Love. And now, well, all his black friends were telling him, but you're already a brother, you're not Brother Love. And so then he's like, just call me Love. Right, so if you guys tell Siri to play a, pity, a P. Diddy song or a Puff Daddy song, you got to say, I want to hear a love song. And then she's going to get all confused, right? She'll probably start playing Michael Bublé or something. <laughs> You see, if only it were that easy, if we would just change our name and we can change our character. See, it doesn't matter if you call him Dua Diddy or Puff the Magic Dragon, it's not going to change his life. Changing the externals does not change who you are. We need to work on the inside, and that is what Easter is all about. Changing who we are on the inside. Jesus came to change our lives and to give us life, to give us real life. And so you're probably thinking, okay, so how do I change? How do I become a better person? The first thing you need to do is you need to open your mind to the power of God. You've got to change the way that you think first. Romans 12, 2 says this, that God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. We need to change the way that we think. You don't change by trying harder. The average New Year's resolution only lasts two weeks. Can I get an amen, right? That's pretty much what it lasts. You try really hard and then you get tired and you give up. You change your life by changing the way that you think and by opening up your mind to the possibility of God. The possibility that God exists. Opening your mind to the possibility that God loves you. Even when you don't love yourself. Even when you feel unloved. That he knows what problems you're going through and he can help you. The Apostle Paul is telling us, open your minds to that possibility because he has the power to do what you can't do. He has the power to transform us. And it starts by changing our minds to the possibility that God is real. He exists. He loves you and he wants to help you. Many people think that they're open-minded. Oh, I'm an open-minded person. But they're really not. I've talked to thousands of people throughout my life. And most people think that they're open-minded, but they aren't. In fact, someone starts to tell you their problems, and as, as soon as you mention God, they, they freeze up. You know, they come to you, and they start vomiting on you all their problems, and you're listening to all this stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know anyone that can help them. And you say, hey, have you prayed? 
have you started going to church? Can I pray for you now? And it's like, they like freeze. Has that happened to anyone? As soon as you, they're so open-minded, but you talk to them about Jesus and they shut down. You know, and they say things, but, but doesn't the Bible say that God helps those who help themselves? Ayúdate, que yo te ayudaré, right? La Biblia dice, no, the Bible did not say that. Benjamin Franklin said that. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God helps those who trust Him when they don't know what to do. God helps those who quit trying. Amen. God helps those who quit trying to work in their lives. You know, oh, I just need to fix this inside of me. And they say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you to help me. Ephesians 4.18 says this, Many are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds against Him. So they can't understand his ways. Many. And we could think about a couple people right now, man, they're so far from God because they've absolutely isolated themselves from his love, from his power, from the purpose that he has for us. See, the reason why you don't understand God is because you've closed your mind to him. And until you open up your mind to the possibility that God is there, there's never going to be any real lasting change in your life. Open it up. It's not over. God has great plans for your life. And you know what causes us to close up our minds? It's hurt. Because people have hurt us. There's people that have been hurt by the church, by religious people. Or we hear stories of things that have happened in other parts of the world and we close our minds to God. And it's kind of dumb to blame God for what some man or some woman did. But sometimes we get hurt and we close our minds to that. You know what? Pride sometimes. Pride closes our minds to God and we're like, no, I'm not going to. I know what I want for my life. God doesn't know what I want for my life. And then there's fear. And I think this is probably the biggest one. No, I'm not scared. No, you're not scared. But a lot of people don't open their hearts to God and don't want anything to do with what God has in their life because I just don't want to turn into some religious freaky person. You know, I don't want people to talk about me. So what does that mean? If, if, if I'm a Christian, like, like, what are people going to say about me? And so that fear causes us to close our mind. But if you really want change in your life, you've got to open it up. You see, what seems impossible in your life? Think about that right now. Man, I'm never going to do this, or there's no way that I can get to that, or there's no way that I could achieve this. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe you want to change your anger and you're like, there's no, you've settled because this is who I am. I'm just an angry person. And you even describe yourself as that, oh, I got a bad temper. Oh, but I got a bad temper. And you close your mind to the possibility that God has something more for you. Maybe your relationship is falling apart. Man, you've worked so hard. You're trying so hard to save your marriage, to save this relationship. And, and you just give up. Because you're like, there is no way that God could do anything. So many people give up on life. We make up fake timelines. We say that, that, you know, my time is up. Haven't you heard that? Oh my gosh, but I'm just too old for that. Or, or my, my time passed. Jesus wants to tell you something today. It's not over. You know, when we were praying about starting this church, I talked to a religious man that I looked up to for a long time. And I told him what God was calling me to do. And, and the vision that God has given me, and I've shared it so many times with you guys here at Love Unlimited, that God was calling me to love this beautiful city, that God was calling me to go and find the broken, emotionally, physically, to go and feed the hungry and care for those that are lost. 
that God was calling me to reap the seeds that my father had sown in the streets of Miami when he had a ministry that fed the homeless and took prostitutes out of the streets and put people in rehab. And my dad had died now almost 11 years. And and I was sharing this with someone that I looked up to spiritually. And I feel that God is calling me to go and serve in the same city where I grew up serving to create spaces where the church and the people that don't go to church could come together and love on people that are hurting that there's, where there is a need. And I said, what do you think? And he said, church planning is a young man's game. And I was like... And I came home and I was a little bummed out about that because I'm 40, I still feel kind of young. And um, that, that wasn't a, a punchline... <laughs> And then my wife, who's become my pastor, um, tells me this. She sends me a text. And, she, and it's this. New York is three hours ahead of California, but that doesn't make California slow. Someone graduated at the age of 22, but waited five years before securing a good job. Someone became CEO at 25 and died at 50. While another became CEO at 50 and lived to be 90. Someone is still single while someone... Excuse me. Someone got married. Obama retired at 55 and Trump started at 70. Everyone in the world works based on their time zone. People around you might seem to be ahead of you. And some might seem to be behind you. But everyone is running their own race in their own time. Do not envy them. Do not mock them. They're in their time zone and you are in yours. Life is about waiting for the right moment to act. So relax, you're not late, you're not early. You're very much on time. So maybe you're thinking, will I ever get married? I don't think I'm ever gonna get married or ever gonna get remarried. I don't think I'll ever be able to forget that person who hurt me and forgive them. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that hurt. I don't think I'm ever going to have a fresh start. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to fulfill that dream that I had. I want you to know something. It's not over. God has an incredible future for you wherever you are. There is hope. You see, from our human perspective, there are things in life that may seem impossible, but that is where God operates. God operates in the impossible. That is what we're celebrating today. A man that was dead. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Amen? God has power that you don't have. God has perspective that you don't have. God sees things that you haven't ever seen before. It's like if we would start to look down this window right here and we start looking at 12th Avenue and we see there's a car here and there's another car there. We have a perspective that the person that's right here doesn't see what, that there's a traffic jam over there or that there's an accident on the other side. God is looking down at us and he knows what's coming next. Open your mind to the Lord and what the Lord wants to do in your life it's not over Ephesians 7 says this I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead so if we believe in God the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that is at our disposal today 
So think about whatever situation you may be going through right now. The same power that raised Jesus back 2,000 years ago that split history in half is available to you to make changes in your life. If God had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, he can raise your dead marriage. He can raise your dead career. He can raise your dead dream. He can raise your dead hope. Whatever it is that you have, there's no way that I can do that. My career is over. Your career is not over. It is not over. If you trust God and open your mind to his power, what he can do in your life, So if you want to be a better person, step one, open your mind. Step two is to open your heart to God's grace. Open your heart to God's grace. Your mind to God's power. And second, open your heart to God's grace. What is grace? See, grace is this multifaceted term, and there's no one definition, but I like this one. I shared it on Friday. Grace is when God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. That is grace. I'll say it again. Grace is when God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. Grace is when God forgives you even before you ask for it. Grace is when God says, come home. I'm not mad at you. That is grace. Grace is when God forgives you and gives you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And if you're me, 1,000 chances or more. That's grace. Grace is the power that God gives us today so that we can have a changed life. We all need grace. Does anybody here need grace? I want to raise both hands. I need grace in my life. You see, the problem is we don't normally receive grace from people. That's why it's so hard for us to understand what grace is. When I was 18 or 19 years old, I was going to Disney with my wife and her family, and they left without me because I overslept, right? And, um, and so I jumped in my car, and I was trying to catch up to them. And then I was, as I was driving over there, I had to go to the bathroom, like, really, really, really bad. And I'm like, what do I do? If I go to the bathroom, I'm going to be even later. She's going to be even madder at me. We were 18, 19 again. And so, man, I just floored the car, and I'm like, God, like... I need you to like blind all the cops because I need to break the law. I need to disobey. And so how many times are we going to do something stupid and we just like say, God, I I just need your help. That's when we pray, when we break the law, when we do something that's wrong. And so um, God doesn't show me any grace because if there's one thing that God doesn't do, he doesn't go against his word. Right. And God says that we need to respect authority. So I was disobeying a principle of God. And guess what happened? I was going like 110 miles an hour. My Honda Civic was like vibrating like this. And I get to the rest stop, but as soon as I get to the rest stop, there's a cop behind me. And the cop comes to my window, and I jump out of the car, and he's like, you know, ready to draw. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom really bad, really bad, officer. That's why I was speeding. And he's like, okay. And I run into the bathroom, and I use the bathroom, and I'm thinking, when I come back, he's gonna be gone, right? And when I come back, the guy had done like a five-point inspection to my car and gave me tickets for things that I didn't even know were wrong with my car. And he showed me zero grace. I needed grace, but he gave me what I deserve. You see, people don't usually show grace. The next breath that you take, let's take a breath. Let me hear you. That's grace. You didn't deserve that breath. You didn't deserve the life that you have now, but God gives it to you because he loves you. So if you don't know what grace is, next time you want to know what grace is, just 
Take a deep breath. That is God's gift to you. There's nothing that you can do to deserve God's grace. Zero, nothing, nada. Everything you have is a gift from God. You may say, wait a minute, I earned it. I got my degree. I worked really hard. I've earned everything that I have. My cars, my money, my status, my family, everything. I've earned it. Where'd you get your brains from? Did you make your brains? Anybody here make their brain? Where'd you get your health, your mind, your arms? Everything you have is because of God's grace. You are alive today because of God's grace. The Bible says this, that God wants to shower us with his grace. So it's not just this It's not just this deep breath that you just took. He wants to shower you, cover you, completely submerge you with his grace. Ephesians 1a says this, God has showered upon the richness of his grace for he understands us and knows what is best for us at all times. God has showered upon us. God wants to shower us with his grace, but we need to open our hearts to his grace. God understands you better than you will ever understand yourself. You see, I I quit trying to figure people out. Quit trying to figure out people's motives because most of the time I can't even figure out some of mine. God knows me and he knows what makes me tick. He knows my mistakes. The Bible says that he formed me in my mother's womb. And you see, he knows everything. You're probably thinking like, oh my gosh, he knows everything, Mark? Like everything about me, yeah. The things that no one knows about you, he knows. And you know what? He still loves you unconditionally. That's what grace is. That is what grace is. But here's what happens sometimes. We try to help out God's grace. And so there's these two ladies that come to my house, amazing women, once a month to clean my house, right? My wife is a very hardworking nurse. Her boss is here, you know. Um, thank you for coming. <laughs> and, uh, and so once a month, these women come to clean our house. And my wife loves it. And babe, I must confess in front of the whole church, I kind of hate it sometimes, right? Because once a month, the, the day before they come to clean, Leilani turns into a sergeant, and she makes me and the kids clean the house. Can anybody relate to this? The cleaning ladies are coming tomorrow, and here I am cleaning the house the day before. And I'm like, babe, tell me the logic. Why, why am I paying these women to come clean our house? Right? And she's like, I just don't want them to think that we're slobs. Right? And I tell her, they're going to do it. Don't help them. But we do the same thing with God. We think that before we can actually give our lives to God, that before we can start living for God, before we can start coming to church, before we even start telling people, I'm a Christian, I got to change a bunch of things in my life. I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing that. You know, you know that God already knows everything that you do. You know that? You know, maybe you can hide it from whoever you went on a speed date with, you know, and they don't know about you or whatever you put on your, um, whatever that hookup app is. And oh, yeah, I'm tall, dark and handsome, but you're short, you know, a little fat and bald, you know. And, it's, and then you're going, what happens when you actually go on the date? I, lo- I love that. I love hearing stories about that. God knows everything about you and he still wants to have a relationship with you. God says, you know what? Come to me. Are you tired? Come to me. Are you hurting? Come to me. Do you want to give up? Come to me. Do you have an addiction? Come to me. Are you an alcoholic? Come to me. Are you looking at things you shouldn't be looking at on the internet? Come to me. Do you hate your wife? Do you hate your husband? Are you an angry person? Are you a mean person? Come to me. I already know. And I want to make your life 
better. It's not over. Romans 3.22 says this. God says he will accept and acquit us. Declare us not guilty. If we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins, and we, we, can, we can all be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, no matter who you are or what you have been like. Man, how liberating is that? That God already knows, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. So I don't care what your religious background is. I don't care if you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Baptist, no religion. God says it doesn't matter. He's not interested in religion. He's interested in having a relationship with you. When was the last time that you met someone that didn't want something from you, that wanted to give you something? It's almost like every time we have a conversation with someone, in the back of our mind, oh, they sound really nice. I wonder what they want. I wonder when they're going to ask me for something. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you, I want to give you life. I want to give you hope. You see, we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. There's not one person in this gym who bats 1,000. We've all blown it. You have, I have, we've all made mistakes. We don't measure up to God's standards. And God wants to wipe our slate clean. God says, I want to wipe your slate clean. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you've done wrong in your life. Has anybody ever played with an etch and sketch? right? And you play with it and you do all this. There's some people that can do some really cool stuff. And if you know how to do it, I want you to teach me. But you kind of play with it and whatever. And then if you don't like it, what do you do? You kind of shake it, you turn it around. And then what? You got a brand new slate. That's what God wants to do with your life today. My son, Joshua, I don't know where he is. Um, He's back there. And uh, my son, Josh, is a great kid. I think he's going to be a big CEO one day. He's going to do some real amazing things in his life because he likes to do things his way, right? And, you know, it's my job as his dad to train him and raise him up in the way he should go, right? And, and so the other day, Joshy did something that was, like, really dumb, right? He sent a text message that he shouldn't have sent to someone. And, um, and I took his phone and I said, you lost your phone. And then he's like, but I didn't know. And he was right, he didn't know. And I felt bad, and I'm like, but I got to teach him a lesson. And then I'm here fighting with God now, and I'm telling God, yeah, God, but that's the right thing to do. The kid, he he needs to know his boundaries. And then I really felt God telling me in my heart, the best lesson that you could teach Joshua at this moment is grace. He doesn't deserve it. He made a mistake. He did something that was wrong. But the best lesson that you could teach him, because this is hurting him, the kid's crying, He told you he was sorry. He told you he didn't know. He really didn't know. And I came and I I sat him down and I said, Joshi, I love you. You don't deserve it. But this is what grace is. And I didn't have to read him a Bible verse. I told him that God loved them, that me and his mom loved them. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Man, that you just needed God to come by you and say, I love you. But many times what people do when we mess up is, you're a loser. You're an idiot. I told you. Te lo dije. ¿Cuántas veces te lo voy a decir? And it's like, boom, boom, boom. And you've already messed up. You already feel bad about what you did. And then the people around you that you love the most are like, bam, bam. And banging you down and breaking your heart and breaking your character. And hey, I'm not going to say that sometimes we don't deserve it. And isn't it great that God is not like that person? That God just wants to give you grace. See, a thousand years ago, before you were ever born, God knew that you would be sitting in this gym today, overlooking Marlin Stadium and downtown Miami, so that he can get you to sit still long enough to get your attention and tell you that you matter to him, that he loves you, 
that it is not over. I've seen everything that's gone on in your life. God is saying this. And he says, you can start over and I want to help you. That's what Easter is all about. And some of you may, may feel, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm a little too old or, or it's too late or maybe I'm too young. I want to do some crazy stuff. And then I'll come to church. I'm just here because my mom made me or my girlfriend, you know, if, if I come to church with her, then she'll be nice to me later and stuff. Now's the time. And I'll promise you this, that your life will never be the same. You want to know joy. You want to know real happiness. Give your life to God. Stop messing around. You know how many conversations I've had down the darkest streets of Miami with people? I've had conversations with homeless architects, homeless lawyers, former soldiers, women that were teachers, that lost their kids, their husband, everything. You know why? Not because of drugs, not because of prostitution, not because of alcohol, because they said, God, I want to do things my way. I don't care what you have to say. I want to do it my way. And maybe you'll never end up on a street corner somewhere. But you may end up in a room by yourself for the rest of your life, alone, sad. Give your life to God. Or maybe just wandering, maybe surrounded by people and you've never felt lonelier in your life. Jesus has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2.8 says this, Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we, all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. Will you trust him enough to let him do it in your life? It's God's gift from the start to finish. You're never going to earn God's grace. You'll never deserve God's grace. You're never going to be good enough for God's grace. You can't buy God's grace. It's simply a gift. The gift of his love, his forgiveness, has helped to change you. All you need to do is humbly accept it. So you're telling me, Mark, that all I need to do is trust him, open my mind to him, and then he's going to give me this gift, and I'm going to have a better life, and I'm going to be happier? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Today, in this service, if you decide to open up your life to God and stop living life the way you want to live it, because that's what happens. Oh, but, but I want to live my... No, he's going to give you a better life. The life that you've never thought of. The Bible says that the things that he has in store for us are bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And some of you have a great imagination. It's better and bigger than that. So open up your mind to God's power. Open up your heart to his grace. And then open up your life to God's love. Open up your life to God's love. No one will ever love you more than God loves you. His love is unconditional. You know what? Sometimes my love's conditional. Aren't there times that you, you don't really want to love someone? Or you're like, it's hard to love someone? God's love is unconditional. He created you. And he created you to love you. That's what we were made for. We were made to be loved by God and to love others. That is my prayer for you today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I want you to live the best life possible and apart from God it is impossible Romans 5 says this we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now and I want you to know that Easter it's not about big crowds Easter is not about an egg hunt or a bunny or a rabbit and that's all awesome and we're going to have a lot of fun. 
the purpose of Easter is to resurrect us the same way that Jesus rose from the dead, to resurrect our dreams, to resurrect our relationships, to resurrect our careers, to resurrect the relationship with our kids, with our family, with our friends. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart the most is families that don't talk together. I did a funeral a couple months ago, and you could have thought that it was like a court case where everyone hated each other and everyone was apart from each other. I didn't even talk about the dead person. I said, he's dead, and you're alive, and you all hate each other. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to go around the room and hug everyone. And I just stood there. What are they going to do? Is a dead man and a crazy pastor. And they all started hugging each other, and they all started crying, and God began to move in the midst of that. Some of you are living that right now in your families, in your home, in your relationship with God. You don't even know why you're here today. 1 Corinthians 16 says, Jesus has his arms wide open for you. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.